So last week we celebrated Easter and uh, the resurrection. And in the sermon last week, we saw where uh, Jesus encountered two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And while he was doing that, uh, his, he, he, they did not recognize him. And he just kind of confronted them on their, you know, kind of, well, actually, they were just whining and moaning, weren't they? They were just, I thought he was going to be the one to come and redeem us and, and all that. And he just kind of, you know, remember what was, he just did the unpastoral thing. It's, oh, foolish men. And he kind of, it says he started in Moses and he went through the prophets. And he revealed things about himself according to the scriptures. And then... After some time, they were able to see him. But the important thing there was that he was opening up the scriptures to them. Now, since this resurrection, since the day of resurrection, there are going to be 40 days that he is interacting with various people, disciples and others, uh, throughout these 40 days. And he's going to be ascended. And before he does, he gives them the great commission. You know, go ye therefore, make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And in Acts 1, we see where he kind of gave a different final declaration, final command to them, where he says, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the remotest parts of the world. And we see the disciples, as Jesus is ascended, they're, they're standing there, you know, amazed and watching him being ascended into heaven. And they go about their way throughout Acts 1, uh, after Acts 1 and, and into Acts 2. And in Acts 2, 4, it says that while they were together praying, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Pentecost, what we, what we see is Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, it happened where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And after that, they were preaching the gospel. But what I want to do is kind of, again, remembering last week's text where we were seeing that they, these two disciples from Emmaus were needed to be reminded of what Jesus had taught them before, the things that they had learned before. He had to remind them, well, these things, you know, again, should not have been a surprise to the disciples when they started experiencing this filling of the Holy Spirit. I want you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 14. We are going to be looking at a, uh, a, just a few verses here where, uh, if you'll remember, in John chapter 13 is where Jesus are gathering disciples together for the Passover. He washes their feet. And starting in 14, he starts teaching them. Uh, get, basically, he is giving them the Cliff Notes version of the past three years of Hey, I've been talking about this stuff. This stuff is, going, this stuff is now right, it's, it's right here at us. I've, I've, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have I'm gonna, three days and I will rise again. And, and all of these things he's been saying in different ways over and over again. And on this from 14 to 15, chapter 16, he's kind of giving them the, guys, this is what's about to happen. He's trying to encourage them. He, he, he's letting them know that it's going to be hard and all. But he's trying to encourage them. And in chapter 17, he just gives this beautiful prayer. I mean, this is really the Lord's prayer. He just gives them this beautiful prayer in John chapter 17 where he's just asking God to help these people, these disciples, those who will follow him. 
But in John chapter 14, I just want us to specifically look at a couple of verses here and let's break it down because I think there is some uh, things here that would be helpful for us to be encouraged today. John chapter 14, starting in verse 16 through 18, and then we will look at one other verse in verse 28 also. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Father, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would just encourage us with your word and your promises that you have given us. Uh, Lord, just help us to understand and to grasp on, to embrace these promises that you have made, not only for these disciples, but Father, that they would be a reality for us as well. Help us, Father. Help us, Father, to live in a way that is honoring to you. And the only way we can do that is in Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In verse 14, he just starts off by saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. This is similar to the, uh, the chapter next to it in chapter 15, verse 26, when he says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. He's not doing it. Jesus never did anything that he wasn't already told to do by the Father. Jesus many times said, I don't say anything unless the Father tells me to say it. I don't do anything unless the Father... He, he was here to serve the Father while he was on this planet. He was only doing the things that the Father had told him he wanted him to do. And so here he's just saying that I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Now, helper, I, I, I like this word because some of your translations might use the word comforter. Anybody in here have comforter as their? No? Okay, well, there's... Helper and comforter are two words that are used here. And, and, and what I really enjoy about this, just, just this little subtle thing here, is that he's going to ask the Father to give you another helper. In verse 18, we see that I will not leave you as orphans. This word orphan that is used here, it is the, the literal meaning of this word is without a guide or a guardian. I just want that without a guide or a guardian. A lot of times we see this word orphan and we think of someone without parents. And, and, and that's true because they, have, they are without a guide or a guardian. And so when, 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 when he's talking about this, this, this word many times throughout the New Testament is also used for helpless or comfortless. 
And what I really like about this word here, he's using it, I believe he's using it specifically to kind of correlate with, he will bring you a helper because of your helpless state. You will not be left helpless because he is going to bring you a helper. You will not be left comfortless because he is going to bring you a comforter. My father is not going to allow you to be alone. He will become your father. There is a sense of, we are not like secondhand citizens here. We are a part of this. This is just to me another indication we are a part of this family. We are, what's the word? You are sewn into the fabric of this family. I forget the word that is used there, but you, you're just, you're sewn into the fabric that is there, the fabric of the Father of God. We are we are indwelled. He said the Holy Spirit is going to come to us and we are going to become a part of the family of God. We will not be left orphaned. We will not be left helpless. We will not be left comfortless. Literally, that word guide and guardian should help us to see that we are in need of. We need someone. We need someone bigger. We need someone bigger than anyone on this planet can give us, a guide or a guardian that can help us through all of these things that we're going through. And here, Jesus is saying that my Father is going to give you another helper. He also says right after that verse, in verse 18, I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, he's already kept this promise when he came to the earth. When he was born and came to the earth, all the Old Testament prophecies that are there from the Father, he kept that. That promise has been, already been kept. He is going to keep from this, where he's talking about right now, and we know from celebrating last week, he kept this promise when he came back to life. He said, I will rise again in three days. He kept that promise. Here he's, he, he, he's going to keep that promise when the helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, when we see in Acts 2, and where we're sitting in this time in history, in this timeline in history, we can look back and say, that has already happened. It's been written about. There's, there, there, there's, there's evidence of it. There's, that's a done deal. We also know that he says, I will come in the future. And what this is, what I'm hoping, what this does is the church in the past used to look towards Jesus' coming more so than I think we do today. I think today more so we tend to just try to figure out how to get through the next day, the next week, the next month, even the next year. We start formulating all these big plans and all, the, uh, all, all these things for our future. And there's nothing wrong with planning and all that. But we lose sight of the fact many times that Jesus has promised that he will come back. And how does that affect the life that we live, the decisions that we make? Well, it should profoundly affect those things. Not just we're going to go and do whatever it is we want to do, whenever we want to do, however we want to do it. We should live our lives knowing that not only has he come, not only has he died, not only has he been resurrected, not only has he sent the Holy Spirit, but also he is going to come back for his church. That should cause us to live our life vastly different than the world does. Than the way we have, for those of us who came to faith as adults, our life should be quite different than what it was then. And I know for me, I, I just spent uh, uh, last month or so, I was down in Georgia, I was able to run across some old high school friends that I have not seen since high school. 
1978, a long time ago. And there were some there that had been following my Facebook stuff and all. The, they, they just could not, some of these folks could not believe that I had changed that much. That I did not have the mouth I used to have. That I did not have the attitude that I used to have. That I did, did not have the dreams that I used to have. And when they were telling me all this stuff, in particular this one guy that we were just really close friends, when we were sitting there talking and, and, and he was like, building me up like I was just this saint. And in my heart, I was looking, knowing myself, knowing that, man, I have got so much farther to go. We all do. But yet my life, as he was sharing with me, was vastly different from 1978 until that day in 1982 when I did realize that I was in sin, that I needed a Savior, and that Jesus had done what he did, not just for all of us, but in particular for me. And that he did that, and that caused my life to change. And now as I live my life out, I just don't live it out as I did before. I say, okay, now that I got Jesus, I can go back to doing everything that I wanted to do. All of our lives, and, I'm, and believe me, I'm not saying everybody should be in ministry, or everybody should pack up and move to different places and all that. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that our day-to-day -day decisions should be in light of the fact that Jesus is going to come back at some point. He has not left us. He has, he, it says that he will come to us. And he specifically talked about specifically to us. He is promising, he is promising this helper, this comforter that will be living within us that will help us through these various things, that will help us through these situations and times that we're about to be living. He is promising these things. And at some point, he is physically going to return to take us home. That is worth a party. That is worth celebration. That is worth surrendering our lives, our day-to-day -day decisions over to him. He, did, he goes on to say in, in John 14, verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. So here he's telling us that this comforter, this helper that's going to come, this Holy Spirit that's going to come, at right now he is with them. The, the, the Holy Spirit was always at work around the disciples. He was always at work around the prophets in the Old Testament, around the people of God. In the Old. He was always at work around. But here it says that he is going to be, he said he, he abides with you and he will be in you. Talking about he's going to take up residency within us and that the world, they're not going to be able to receive him. The Holy Spirit is only for those who have surrendered their lives to Christ, who have, given the, who have given Christ's rule in their heart. He is only there. The Holy Spirit is only there for them. And Jesus, as he's sitting in this room and he's trying to get them ready for the, what's going to happen later that night, when they come and arrest him and when they're beating him and when they're crucifying him and when they're spitting on him and when they're cursing him and all of these things, 
He's giving them right now. He's giving them this. He's giving this to them so that they might have something to hold. Just like he did when the walk to Emmaus. Do you not know that the Christ had to suffer? And Jesus took the two disciples from Emmaus back to Moses and started working through the prophets to show them that this is what the Old Testament has been saying all along. Do you not know this? And so Jesus here is telling them, whatever happens from here on out, you need to know, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. You will not be orphaned. I will be with you. Now, I'm sure they didn't know what that meant because in all honesty, right now, we can look at this verse and we can kind of sit back and go, oh, I get what he's talking about. But put ourselves in that time when we didn't have the New Testament to fall back on. When we didn't, you know, we might have walked with Jesus, but how many times did they just did not understand? As a matter of fact, if you go through chapters 13 and 14 and 15 and even 16, you'll see the disciples every now and then, they're kind of, they're kind of either together or one of them is asking Jesus, trying to clarify something. What do you mean by this? When is this going to happen? Why does this have to happen? He's, they're, they're, they're injecting all of these things. They just do not understand all this stuff. But Jesus is going to teach it to them, and then he's going to provide them a way to lean on this, to remember this. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says that the natural man, they do, they, it just does not under, they do not understand the things of the Spirit. They say it's foolishness to them. And we see that. We do see that in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit does come on to the disciples at Pentecost and they start preaching in various languages so that people and everybody starts saying, man, it's, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. These guys are already drunk. They just look at that as something foolish to them. But in the midst of that, as Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, he stands up and he starts preaching this message. And from that point forward, we just start seeing lives transformed, thousands of lives throughout the chapter transformed because of what God is doing in those disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we look over at verse 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father will send him in my name, he will teach you all things. This is the second thing is Jesus is basically saying to them, as I've been walking along with you, I've been teaching you all this stuff. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you without a guide, without someone to teach you. And so he's telling them here that as the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Many times I'll, I'll start off, if I'm in a new place, I'll start off um, telling people, that just don't take my word for it when I'm preaching anything to, and when I'm teaching anything to anyone from the Scriptures, do not take my word for it. Because you will never be able to stand before the Father and say, well, the reason I lived my life this way was because Pastor David said, and he's just going to stop you right there and say, wait a minute, you've got the Word of God, you've got the Holy Spirit, let's don't bring David. I'm going to deal with him here in a little bit, but right now I'm talking to you. Don't just take anybody's word for it. I don't care if they're on television. I don't care if they have a mega church. I don't care if it's your pastor here. I don't care. Always verify for yourself. If the Holy Spirit is within us, 
He is there to teach us according to this, and he will be able to verify anything that anybody has said, whether it's from this pulpit or across your dining room table or out of your television or through a podcast or anything. Do not take And so here he's just saying the Holy Spirit is going to be able to teach you. John 16, 13 says, but when he comes, a spirit of truth will come. He will guide you into all truth. He's going to guide you. He's not going to leave you orphaned. He's not going to leave you without a guide. He is going to guide you. And in 1 John 2, 27, he says, as for you, the anointing which you will receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as, for his, as, as his anointing teaches about all things, Abide in him. That's in 1 John 2, verse 27. He says, as his anointing teaches you about all things, abide in him. Do not just abide in whatever you're being taught from whoever that might be. You abide in him. The spirit that abides in us teaches us, verifies truth. And we abide in him. If anybody, t- if anybody is talking about how we, should, 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 how, how we should do something and it is contrary to Scripture, you abide in him, not whoever is saying that. And so here Jesus is, as he's sharing with his disciples, he will teach you all things. He says he will guide you into all truth. He will teach you, so abide in him. But it's not just about knowledge either. The Spirit within us does not just teach us about knowledge, how, what, what it is that we are to learn and, and how we live our life or anything like that. It's also to help us deal with certain circumstances we might find ourselves in. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 12, and, and it's the same story in Matthew and Mark, Jesus is telling the disciples that, you know, when you're questioned, when you're arrested, or when you're, you know, whatever. He said, and, and, and it says there in Luke 12, 12, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You see, it's not even about just what you learn. He said, he's going to help you know what to say in the midst of that circumstance you might find yourself in. And, and, and. And listen, there are, there are I, 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 could, I could tell multiple stories about times when I was in situations. I'll just tell you one, that there were times in, 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 in North Africa, when, in Morocco, when I would be questioned by police. There was not many, just a few, but, but I would be questioned by police there about my activities, what I was doing or whatever. But, but in the midst of that, I was always going into it. I'm not going to lie, scared out of my wits because I didn't know if they were going to take me to the border and say, get out of here. I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know if they were going, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was pretty certain they weren't going to arrest me because they didn't do that to foreigners. They just kicked them out of the country. But at that time, when they would do that, there was one time they were asking me specific questions. And man, I just did not know how to answer those questions. But God, in the midst of that stressed out, sweating profusely in a closed room with no windows, sitting down with this guy whose English was better than mine, I swear that guy must have been, got his education from somewhere in the Midwest because he had no accent at all. And when he was asking me questions, God gave me answers I had no idea. I didn't go into the room thinking, this is how I'm going to answer this question. It was God who was giving me the answers to questions. 
in such a way that whatever happened there, he let me go and did not deal, he did not deal with me in any way negatively whatsoever. He just said, okay, we're finished here. You can go now. It was a God moment. And I always look back to those moments and say, thank you, God. Thank you for in those moments giving me the right things to say. Because listen, my little smart mouth can get me in trouble like that. I have, I, I'm sarcastic. I can be sarcastic. And, and, and I, can be, I'm, 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 I can be a half glass, you know, glass half empty kind of guy uh, a, a lot of times. And especially when difficult things start happening, I can just start going, man, why is this always happening? And, and just trying to retreat from it. But in the midst of that, man, God just helped me through it. And so when, when it says here, the Holy Spirit would teach you in that very hour what you ought to say, I've seen it myself happen. And if we just... And I'm sure that if I were to sit down and just talk to, talk to you and, 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 and hear from you and your stories, you've probably got similar stories about how you've had to deal in difficult situations. And in that moment, not necessarily just how you, what you say, but how you reacted, how you responded to something that happened. Because you can say, man, I wanted to do this. God had me do this. Friends, that's the Holy Spirit within us that is helping us to be able to make those decisions. I used to, uh, with, with my sons, we, we have this thing we tell them, in light of our past experiences and in light of your current circumstances and in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? All right, so what is the wise thing to do based off of all? Because, you know, we made mistakes in the past. Right now, this is a circumstance we find ourselves in the future. What is it that we want to become? What is it that we want to be or whatever? So the decision right now ought to be able to take all of those things into consideration. But what I have learned is without Christ, we still do not make the right decisions many times. Oh, we get lucky every now and then. Any old blind squirrel can find an acorn every now and then. But, but we still make the wrong decisions without Christ many times. And so here he's just saying, man, I'm not going to leave you to your own. Not, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. So he says that he will teach you all things. But he also said there and later on in that verse, and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. We saw, we saw that Jesus actually did this with those two guys from Emmaus. And we saw that Jesus did this many times. He kept saying, man, don't you guys remember when we did this before? Don't you guys remember Jesus was doing this? But now that Jesus is physically going to be ascended into the heavens, sitting at the right hand of the Father, he is sending the, they are sending, the Holy Spirit is coming to live within us to do that for us. But listen, this is not about this is not about just, uh, okay, now he's going to bring to your remembrance, <coughs> excuse me, but bring to your remembrance the things that I've taught you. Friends, we have to be in this to remember this, okay? It just doesn't happen like this. God, help me know your word. Osmosis does not work like that. We have to be in this. We have to read this. We have to study this. We have to allow the Spirit to teach us in this. It's not, I'm, I remember when I was uh, in Connecticut, there was a student at the University of Connecticut when I was serving as a campus minister for one year there. Um, uh, they, they, he, he, he came to me and he just says, you know, man, finals are coming up. Can you pray for me? And I said, sure, I could pray for you. So I started praying for him. And, um, and as I opened my eyes up, he was looking at me real puzzled. And I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I don't know that I like that prayer. 
<laughs> and I said, well, what, what were you looking for? And he says, well, you, were, you, said that, you said something like, you know, God, I pray that you would help this young man. He was a German student. God, I helped you, pray you would help this young man uh, learn, uh, be able to remember the things that he has already studied. And he didn't like that part because he knew he did not study that much. And later on in the prayer, I said something about help him to the degree and effort that he has put into this. And he knew he was in trouble if God was going to help him attain that and all that. And so that's not what this is talking about. He's not saying that if you're not putting any effort, if you're not learning anything, if you're not applying it in your life, that's not what this is saying here. But what it is saying is that the Holy Spirit will help us in those times that are, help us remember what it is that the Word of God says, what it is that Jesus taught, what it is that God said through the prophets back in the Old Testament. We will, as we study and learn and apply, He will help us remember. These, in Luke 24, we saw that where the ladies, when they went up to the tomb on that, uh, that resurrection morning, on that Sunday morning, they went up to the tomb, they found the the stone was rolled away, and, and there were two angels there, and they were, you know, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And they started telling them about what had happened, and it says in verse 8, chapter 24, and they remembered his words. They remembered the words of Jesus as they started saying this is what was going to happen. But I also believe what this is kind of pointing to as well. He's, he's specifically telling the, 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 these disciples here. He said, you're also going to remember things. Because it's not like they sat down and as they were walking along with Jesus, it's not like they were just kind of taking notes, writing the book of Matthew and the book of Mark and the book. You know, they, it wasn't like John was writing out his book. As a matter of fact, we know that John, he, he wrote his book many years later. And so... But, it, but the Spirit was going to help them remember all that he had said. And it is absolutely amazing to see how these four Gospels in particular are kind of tied together as well as they are written in separate places and, 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 and in different times by different people. It is pretty amazing that that, that happened. And so he says that I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I said. Now, the Holy Spirit does other things as well. We know the Holy Spirit, uh, it helps us in our witness. In John 15, 26, it says that the Holy Spirit is going to, he will testify of me. In Acts 1.8, we saw that, but when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses. And it talks about specifically here in Jerusalem and around the world. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be out there living life as I have shown you and taught you how life should be led, uh, lived and, 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 and all that. And you're going to be able to do these things. This is a, so that they would be witnesses to who Christ is. Uh, the Holy Spirit also in John 16.8, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin so there's, and it's just, it just doesn't stop there. But what we want to walk out of here with today, what we want to be challenged by if necessary, what we want to be encouraged by if possible, is the fact that we will not be orphaned. We are not helpless. We are not comfortless. 
He promised the Holy Spirit then, and in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came. And after that, when someone comes to faith, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And we should live a Spirit-led life, allowing the Spirit in our lives to make decisions, to help us make the best decisions that we can for our lives, but more importantly, for His kingdom, for His glory. Let's pray.